brothers and sisters. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get our mic situated here. Uh, great to see all of your faces. It was great to see those individuals who are, who are online earlier. Uh, and uh, really thankful for our time together this morning. Uh, it was really wonderful to pray together as a church. There's nothing better for us to do than to pray together. That's why we spend a lot of time, even during our worship service, we spend a lot of time praying. Uh, there's nothing better than communing with God together as God's people. That's why we do it even at the end, after our service, we pray. I uh, was so encouraged to hear you pray uh, earlier today and strengthen. I love preaching on the first Sunday of the month. I, I feel like my soul needs it uh, because... Uh, I, yeah, I'm able to hear your prayers and pray with you extra. Uh, always so thankful for that. Also uh, thankful for uh, the time that we had discussing our building. Uh, for those of you who missed it and were really disappointed in that, um, if you did miss it, you should be disappointed that you missed it because it was really good. Uh, you can email Sue and she can actually pass that recording to you. Uh, we do want to make sure we're all moving together at the same time because we're moving as a church. We're going somewhere. Uh, so uh, stay posted. Uh, keep up with what is going on. All right. Well, the first uh, Sunday of every month this quarter, we're going to have a sermon on giving. This Sunday, giving freely. Uh, the following in May, May for uh, that first Sunday in May, we'll be giving cheerfully. And then the last one in June. We'll be giving responsibly. And uh, I, I'm really excited about this series to pause on Ephesians for a moment. Uh, this is going to be a real time of focus on giving for us as a church as we think about raising funds for a building. So this quarter, we'll, you'll continue to hear about that. Um, but you should know this out front. Our church is not obsessed with money. Okay, if you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, we're not here to get your money. <laughs> we, we are not in this for the money. Let me tell you that. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, in our day, some churches have become obsessed with money, and of course, health and wealth uh, teaching has abounded, and many abuses in the church have come about, um, and certainly we grieve these, but it should not be a cause for us to be silent about money, because the Bible speaks over 400 times directly about money. And many, many, many more times on stewardship. So we as a church, we should, we should speak about it. It's very important uh, for us. So uh, may the Lord uh, use this message. It was a sermon that I preached in Subong uh, years back when they were going through Exodus. Uh, and I believe God's word has something for us today. So let's turn our Bibles to Exodus 25. We're going to be looking at the first eight verses of Exodus 25. Now, uh, let me encourage you before I give this talk on uh, this sermon on giving. Uh, just, we had our AGM last week. Uh, you are a church that is known for your giving. Our giving has increased year after year, even through the pandemic. Uh, so I come to you bringing God's word to say to you, continue on with your good labors, uh, with this grace of giving. Let us continue uh, to excel at this good work. All right, let's read together. Turn in your Bibles. It's not on the screen. Uh, so if you, if you were counting on that today, uh, please, please open up your Bibles. Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they 
take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for, the, for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you for all of it. Lord, we need it. We need to be reminded this morning of our call to be a people who give freely. Lord, you know our hearts. You know we don't enjoy this topic of money, especially when it comes to our own bank accounts. Father, we pray that you would set us free this afternoon, that you would encourage us, that you would uh, loosen our hands, that we might experience uh, the freedom that you have for us. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Years back, I read a book with my Children is a biography of Martin Luther called The Thunderstorm in the Church. And uh, one thing that stood out to me as we read that book on Luther and uh, his wife, Catherine Van Bora, was how freely they gave. Uh, It's quite remarkable. His wife had a rather large house that she had inherited and and some property. And uh, there was always people staying with them. Some even called it, it was like a hotel. Um, Now they had five children Um, but in reality, it was kind of more like 16 because there were 11 nieces and nephews who stayed with them. Uh, children, can you imagine that? Some of you, uh, 16, (laughs) uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a wild house right there. Uh, some of you think we're crazy with four, um, 16, um, yeah. And not only that, they had seminary students in their house. You know, seminary students are normally poor. You can pray for Sandy and the Neblet family. Um, They would also open their home to the poor, and they would feed all of these individuals. They would feed all of them. It's rather crazy when you begin to think about it. And, um, you know, not only that, Luther refused to receive the proceeds from his books. He said, "I I don't... want this. I'm not doing this for the money. He refused to receive the proceeds from his book. He wanted to give. Now, many of us look at saints like Luther and, and Catherine von Bora and wonder how they could be so generous. I do, honestly, so convicted as I read about their life. And um, even in his day, people would ask him, how is it that you give so freely? And uh, Luther, you know, always coming up with these kind of classic sayings. He, he said this, Luther held up his hand and said, God divided the hand into fingers so that money can just slip right through. So that money can just slip right through. Then he laughs and he says, whatever we give away, God will give back to us. Whatever we give away, God will give back to us. 
Luther was convinced that Christians needed to give freely, not to earn their salvation. No, that's what his, that's what his whole ministry was about. That our salvation comes to us only because of what Christ has done. But we can give freely because it's worth it. Because God supplies our every need. Because God rewards in his good timing. Sometimes in this earth, sometimes not. He had a vision for seeing the goodness of God, the goodness of the kingdom spread, be put on display through free giving, through generosity. Today, as we look at the people of God in Moses' day, they're called to give freely in the same way, with the same heart. They're called to see the kind of worth of their giving. They're called to see that they have an opportunity to participate in making the kingdom of God visible, on display for the earth to see the goodness of God directly through their giving, through their contributions. Now, in the previous scene, we always want to look at the context, youth. So we do every Sunday. We say, what's the, what's the context? We haven't been in Exodus, but if you just survey through chapter 4, there's been, a, there's been a worship service where God has confirmed his covenant with his people. And, and, and actually, you'll find that it's very familiar to our worship service. You have a call to worship. You have people who confess that God's people confess their sin. And then he's going to assure them of his grace even in the blood sacrifice, the sign of the covenant. Then the word of God is going to be read. There's going to be a response of repentance. There's even going to be a communion meal. And everything is present except for one thing. The offering. Where's the offering? Well, the offering is in chapter 25. Now, some of us would love for our worship services to skip the offering <laughs> we used to pass around the bag you know and some of us you know feel really uncomfortable as the bags go around we felt great when we were praising God and then all of a sudden that offering bag came around and it's like oh then we get a little fidgety uh, we talk every week transfer bank account you know I don't know there's there's something the heart doesn't feel the same excitement as when we're singing Jesus I love you or you know uh, right? There's a different feel for us. But we need to see that giving is worship. Yes, there has been so much mismanagement in this country. There's been so much mismanagement in, in the church. Televangelists saying, give to God. And meanwhile, they're putting that in their, their pocket to make themselves wealthy. But we cannot... We cannot let these things distract us. We cannot miss the importance, the great value of giving. Now, key to this large section from 25 onward is, is on building of the tabernacle. And what we're, what we're looking at uh, this afternoon is that God is actually concerned about our hearts. He's concerned 
about his kingdom. He's concerned that we, able, that we be able to participate in his work, just as God was going to manifest himself in a powerful way on earth through the tabernacle, so too in our worship, in our day today, God wants to manifest himself and he's going to do that work even as we give, through our giving. And we're going to be a part of something incredible, not just human flourishing of an earthly type, but of an eternal human flourishing where people can experience the very presence of God in their lives. So this is our privilege that we might bring more and more people into access to the living God, that they might know him. So uh, this afternoon, we are going to look at the who, how, what, and why of giving. Who, how, what, and why of giving. And uh, in summary, it is because our holy God has promised to dwell with his people, therefore we can freely give. He's promised to dwell with us, therefore we can freely give to God himself that more and more might experience his presence on earth. So who do we give to? Uh, it's very clear in verse 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. For me. That they might build a sanctuary for me. This is all for God. Israel is to take up an offering for God. Now this is rather strange. I was speaking with some of the children before the service. Um, God doesn't need our worship. God doesn't need our, our giving. Right? He's not, he's not poor. He's not a poor God. <laughs> he owns everything. So, so why are we giving to him? Well, we are called to give freely to him out of our love for him. But this call isn't, again, it's not Moses' idea. It's not just this clever idea. Okay, how can we serve God? How can we? No, this is directly from God. This is his idea that we give and as a way to honor him. Now, again, back to the context, this is a unique particular, this is a unique time in history, right? This is a time of the theocracy where God, moving toward the theocracy as God is going to uh, come and be with his people in a unique way. So there's going to be some unique things that are going to happen during that season. And here, the tabernacle, it's going to be like this big tent, and people are going to bring the, the very things that are needed for that tabernacle to be set up, to be built, that tent to be built, they're going to bring those very things. So youth, yes, this text, <laughs> we have to look at it in context, right? Uh, because I certainly don't want, um, you know, Zeke to be bringing me animal skins next week, okay? Um, right? We always read the Bible in context, okay? Um, so this is during the theocracy. However, the same idea of giving freely to God doesn't go away throughout the new covenant we see Jesus is very passionate about his people giving freely right this is a big concern of his in Matthew chapter 6 he's saying to them give to God you're giving to God 
And you need to give in God, to God in secret because that's, he's the one who matters here. And it's not about being seen by others, right? That's not what giving's about. It's giving to God. Therefore, do it in secret and he will reward you. He's going to talk about the same thing when taxes come up. Yes, pay taxes to Caesar, but there is something that belongs to God. We have an opportunity to give freely to him. Now, as a kid, when I began to think about uh, giving to God, I got really confused, okay, because I heard sermons about people giving to God, and every time the offering bag would go around, I would just like watch it as it went to the back. It's like, how are they going to get this to God? You know, I just, uh, I'm not sure if I understand how this works out. I know that somebody's taking that, you know, money. Um, uh, of course, you know, I, I learned and, and you younger children ha- have learned that the money does go to the church. But even as it's going to the church, it's directly going to God and to the things in which God is doing on this earth so it would help us we do need to be careful with our language sometimes we're so quick freely talking about okay honey did you give your did we give our offering to the church um nothing wrong with that that's true but it might help us more even our language to say more often have you have we given to god this month because we're giving to him It's not about CDPC. We're not trying to build some CDPC kingdom. No, this is all about giving to him. He must be our primary motivation for giving his glory, his honor. Now, this would be a great help for us as we go to think about raising money for a building. We're really just raising money to give to God for his purposes. If this is all about, you know, I'm giving my money to the building, better be exactly how I want it to be, um, that would be really difficult for us as a church. But if we are giving to God, if we're giving to God, it will change our whole perspective about this building. It is for him. Now, even as we do raise money for the building, um, in our church, we try to limit how many people see uh, your giving. Actually, normally it's just Alicia who sees uh, the offering, those particular people who are giving a particular amount every, every month. And even during this building season, uh, we're going to try to limit it to the, to the treasurer and, and, uh, and to Alicia. Um, as much as possible, we're trying to to limit that so that we can so that you can consciously remember you're not doing this to move up your status in the church right we're doing this for God for his honor so how are you doing how are you doing consciously giving to God himself each week each month as you make that bank transfer say a prayer and give freely to God. And it's a great moment to check your motivations. Am I doing this just out of habit? Am I doing this for my own pride? Or am I doing this for God himself? All right, so who we give to is rather clear. That is God himself. Um, Our text also teaches who gives, and that is clearly Israel, but also how do we give? That's That's the clear 
message for us, continuing in verse 2, from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive a contribution for me. So how are we to give? Freely, from the heart. And get this, church, this is, this is kind of bold, this is kind of audacious. Do you realize that God actually, in this particular context, is saying, in one sense, you don't have to give to this. Do you realize that? We, we tend to be very uh, guilt-driven. We feel like, well, I was supposed to. They asked for an offering, so I'm supposed to. No, no, no. The ones that God, the, God really wants those whose heart moves them to give. Yes, there will be other offerings that are, that are required, the tithe. And I've spoken of that in other sermons, so I'm not going to talk about that. I believe the tithe is still for today. And I've uh, spent much time elaborating on that in previous sermons. Um, I'm not going to do that now. But what we're talking about now is giving above and beyond that tithe. And there's a call to give freely to this particular moment in time where Israel has a need. And God wants their whole person. Notice he wants their heart. Again, he doesn't need the money. <laughs> but this is, this is a moment for, for the person's heart to be aligned with God and to actually share in a special moment in relationship with God. Do you know when you give out the, the Ung Pao packets to the little children, you know, even my kids coming here, they felt this special connection to that person who's given to them. You know? We do. We, we feel a connection to people who, who give to us. And this is, this is part of the joy of giving, is that it connects us, it binds us. God is not in the business of force. Let me just say it out. You don't have to give to the building. You don't have to. Um, there's no obligation, and I hope you feel no obligation to give to our building. Actually, the only people I believe that God wants and therefore the only people that we should want to give to the building is the people who want to, who really, really want to. They say, please, pastor, when are we going to start this, this, uh, this campaign? When are we going to start? I I'm ready to start, okay? You can go ahead and start. Yeah, we haven't launched. We haven't had you do pledges. <laughs> go ahead and start. You're free. You're free. Some of this is, this is hard for us, uh, I think, because we're, we're often so constrained by ought. <laughs> this is what I should do. I, I, I do what I should do. But God is saying, no, you get to do this. Would you like to participate in this? Spreading the gospel throughout Puchong? And having a building that his word might be preached there and we might bring people in to hear the gospel. Now this is a privilege. You're free. You're free to give however much you like. Now this is a very common idea also in the, in the new covenant. This is going to be preached on uh, later next month, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Not begrudgingly. Not because the pastor was like up here trying to manipulate you, you know, into giving. No, that's not what we want to do. That's not what God wants for you as each one has purposed in his heart. 
Do you see the privilege of giving freely, church? Do you see the privilege? Now, we turn to the next section, verse 3 to 7, to answer the what question. What were God's people to give? And there's six categories. There's metals. There's a scarlet dye. There's fine linen. There's skins of animals. There's wood. There's oils and spices. Now, what would be helpful to note about this? Um, first off is that these items, some of these items would have been uh, excuse me, uh, these items had been given by them by God freely. That's what we should note first. These items, interestingly enough, some of them can be found in that area that could have been, uh, that could have been mined. For example, metals, those could have been mined in this particular area. But it's also very likely that many of these items would have come to Israel through their exodus from Egypt. These would have been goods that God himself gave them. Now, it's interesting. I'm not going to go into all the details here, but Exodus 3.22, chapter 11, verse 2. You may just want to write these down if you want to look at them later. And chapter 12, Exodus 12, 35 to 36. They were being given by the Egyptians Interestingly enough, in many ways it's spoken of as plunder in which these items were freely given by these Egyptians as I'm sure they were eager to get them out of Egypt. You know, they're like, here, yeah, take some stuff with you. Um, <laughs> uh, please be on your way, okay? Um, very strange that Exodus tells us that the Egyptians get, are giving to these people as they begin to go into the wilderness. This is God sovereignly orchestrating history and providing for them. Why? That they might learn to freely give back to God. It's like the father who wants his child to be able to give something for Mother's Day, you know, and oftentimes the child is like, yeah, I want to give something. You know, they don't hardly have any money. And so the dad pays, gives them money for them to buy something for the mother, <laughs> for the family, Right? This is what God does with us. He gives to us. And then he gives us this opportunity to give back to him. That's exactly what is happening here. We should also note that many of these items could be seen as treasures. Right? Gold is very obvious. This is very costly. Some of these dyes are very elaborate, uh, have an elaborate process of obtaining very expensive, some of the perfumes as well. So we need to understand they're bringing their best to God, freely bringing their best. We should also note that some of these items could have been given by the poor. All could participate. This is actually phenomenal, right? There's, there's hunters could bring their animal skin, fishermen. More simply, an offering of olive oil. One commentator puts it, in the construction of the tabernacle of the Lord, the poor people who donated goatskins and hairs or welcome to God as those who donated gold, silver, or gems. All are welcome to give, and God is honored. Also note, these were given to advance the purposes of God. 
These weren't hoarded by the priests. No, this is going to match the need. There's this need for this structure. Called to give. What about the new covenant? Um, Again, there's this call, what are we to give, right? We're not going to give animal skins. What are we to give? Well, again, I've mentioned before, I'm not going to go into the details. I believe that scripture is clear that there's a call for a tithe. And in light of it being the new covenant, where this is more rich and more glorious, would we not give more? (laughs) Would we not uh, experience more joy through giving? Now, sadly, um, in our church today, what we're, uh, the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding. What are we giving? We should ask ourselves. Um, there was one particular book called The Passing of the Plate, Why American Christians Don't Give Away More Money. And it's uh, very fascinating. Uh, S- Smith and his cohorts report that American Christians give roughly 2% of their gross income to churches and religious charities total. Two percent. Now, sadly, we know Muslims, they give their zakat, and it's 2.5 percent. Two percent is what we are documented in giving, at least in the West. I would love a statistic for Malaysia. But the two percent doesn't tell the whole story. Twenty-two percent give nothing at all. 22% of Bible-believing Christians give nothing at all. This is staggering. One in five church attenders in the pew do not give. Clearly, the evangelical church doesn't believe in the tithe. I believe this is sad. I believe it shows we also do not understand the joy of giving freely. Freely. Have we become stingy, greedy, or overly guarded with our money? Something for us to think about. Have we become greedy? Have we become stingy? Have we become overly guarded, overly calculated? Yes, we're going to learn that is we're called to be responsible with our money, but some of us likely need to move a little closer to Luther. We're so cautious. We're so hesitant. This morning, God is saying, give freely. How is it that we can give freely? Well, if we learn more of the gospel, we will see more of how Jesus himself gave freely to us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. It's the gospel. Is it shaping your giving? Or do we suffer from a minimalist approach? Or do we have a hard heart? Are we missing the joy of the freedom that God is talking about in this passage that we see in the early church, the Christians who gave their property, just freely gave because they love Christ. Nobody was pulling their arm. Nobody was manipulating them. 
They love Jesus and it showed. It showed by their, by their lives. It showed by their bank account. So let's summarize thus far. We're called to give to God freely from the heart as we're moved in relation to what God has freely given to us. Now all of this flows in answering the why question. Why are we to give? Well, it's so that they could make the tabernacle. Now this is, this is uh, the deeper goal here, okay? And the tabernacle is just not some nice elaborate tent. Look at verse 8. This is, this is important. And let them make me a sanctuary, what? That I may dwell in their midst. They were giving to God that God might dwell with them. To me, it just blows my mind the level of participation that God allows his people to share in. They give, they build, and he is going to manifest himself there. Now, again, God doesn't need a place. God doesn't need a tent. He doesn't need a house. <laughs> Psalm eleven four. God dwells in the heavens. But this temporary lodging, this interesting Hebrew word for, for a temporary kind of tent is going to go with God's people through this nomadic season in their life when they go in the wilderness and God is going to be there every step of the way and they're going to look at this structure, this structure which they contributed and it's going to be a constant reminder that God is with him every with them every step of the way. This is remarkable. Even in the last chapter, God had manifested his glory in Mount Sinai. His holiness is being manifested. He is the God who hears the cries of his people all the way through the book of Exodus. And he has borne them up and he has carried them on eagle's wings. Bringing them out of slavery that he might bring them to himself. God condescends to our level like a father kneeling down, speaking to his child. This is our God. This is our God. This is the God that we give freely to. And then in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullest picture of God dwelling with man. 1 John 1, 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. Jesus became the tabernacle. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus literally put up his tent with us in the wilderness, giving us the Holy Spirit. He's here with us, with his people, in a special way in corporate worship as we gather. So what does all this have to do with our giving? Well, just as Israel literally gave these resources to build this structure where God was going to show his presence, so too in the new covenant, our giving is directly connected to the expansion of the goodness of God in this world. Where his presence is going to be manifested among the people of God who are now the, called the temple of God. But as we gather together in a special way on corporate worship, as we give for the, for the work of the church, it's so that the glory of God might be seen, that people might know the presence of God. So what do we hear in the Great Commission? By proclaiming this good news by the authority of Christ, we're making disciples and we're baptizing, we're teaching, we're bringing people into the presence of God to dwell with God through Christ. 
What a privilege, church. What a privilege. Oh, that we might free up our hands to give. Have you connected the dots between your giving and God's work on this earth through the church? A visible display of his goodness and his presence. Now we're at a time in the life of our church where we need, we need a building in Puchong. And it's not for the sake of a building. It's so that we might have a space where people can hear God's word, where they can know the living God. But it's going to require us to open up our hands and to freely give. Perhaps some practical matters to help us think through this before we close. Um, might be helpful for us to, again, look at our percentages. How much are we actually giving? It's always hard to do this. I did it again for myself this week so I could, make, I could challenge myself, hold myself accountable. I don't want to just preach to you <laughs> about giving. I, I want to examine my own heart. It would be helpful for us to know the numbers. How much are we actually giving? Maybe you're, maybe you're giving 2%. This could be an opportunity to say, Lord, could I give you, could I give you more? Could I give you 4%? Baby steps. Some of you are, are probably, many of you are probably giving 10%. What if you said, okay, I give 12% and that extra, extra, I want to give it all to the building. Some of you maybe could go to 15. The Lord's provided so much for you. Some of you could go to 20. I know some Christians, they set an amount that they want to live off of, and if they ever get more money than the number they've set, they're going to give it. They're going to give it freely to God. That might be a good practice for a number of us today. We need to be reminded that actually God starts our discipleship with our bank accounts. He did it with the young rich ruler. He started with his heart because the money, our money is so connected with our heart. God wants our heart. What do we give it to him today? Some of us have been working hard to prepare for our kids' college fund. That's wonderful. How can we invest in the kingdom? How can we invest in not only our family's happiness and prosperity, but the good of others within our community. Of course, there's our time. It's not just our money. There's our time, our energy, other things. Let us give generously and freely. Uh, one one period in my life that really impacted me and relate, related to this topic of free giving uh, was, was uh, when I was a kid, I think I was around nine years old, our church began to raise money for a building. And uh, God began to burden people's hearts uh, to, to give. And it was very interesting. The church was actually receiving um, even jewelry, they were receiving whatever people wanted to give to the church, and then it would be resold. 
So we had people giving uh, all kinds of things, but what really struck me was this particular individual who gave his boat. <laughs> now, in the city where I, I lived, I grew up in LaGrange, Georgia, and in LaGrange, Georgia, we have a lake. We're known for our lake. And everyone wants to be out on the lake. That's like the highlight of our city. Everybody's saving money so they can have a boat. There's no greater treasure in our city. So when I, I heard that this man gave his boat, I mean, I just, <laughs> my jaw dropped. And I just, he was given his treasure. He was given his treasure. And at a young age, as a young boy, I could see the worth of our God. He's worthy of us just giving, giving our best to him so that more and more people might be brought into the kingdom through our giving, brothers and sisters. Let's connect the dots. Let's connect the dots. Our giving, the expansion of his kingdom, his kingdom being manifested through our giving. This is the joy that we have to participate in. Let us give freely. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you that you have given so freely to us. You have given us material blessings. Most of all, you have given the Lord Jesus Christ to us. We praise you for teaching us the privilege of giving by showing us the worth, by showing us the the unique way in which we are able to actually participate in what you are doing in this world in a very tangible way by giving. Father, we praise you for how you have worked so powerfully in using the gifts of the generosity of the, the people of this church. Lord, and we believe you have borne fruit of that, of changed lives. And Lord, we want to see more of it. So we pray that you would open up our hearts to give freely for your glory in Christ.